Amen. Amen. Greetings, beloved, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, what I'm going to share with you today, I just want to start by giving a short story. I don't know whether this story is true or was it just a joke. Okay? <laughs> but when we grew up uh, as children, there was this story that there was a certain old man, old lady, you know our old ladies used to carry a lot of things. So this old lady, apparently she was carrying her heavy loads with her and she was going to board a bus. Then apparently she went into the bus, she sat on a seat and she continued carrying her bag. That's what I heard. I'm not sure whether this was true or was it a joke, but this is teaching us something. Okay? So for me, it says, when we come to Christ, we were carrying heavy loads. And some have come to Christ and are continuing to carry the same heavy loads as if they haven't reached the place of rest. So as much as you were laughing at that old lady, we can laugh at you. Isn't it? Because when we come to the Lord, we need to say, I have come to the place of rest. I can lay down my loads and my heavy burdens. So I want you to go with me to the book of Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 30 in the Good News Translation. Matthew 11, 28 to 30, GNT. Now you're going to enjoy this because I enjoyed this and I realized actually the Lord is calling me to a place of rest and I'm going to rest. I'm not going to keep on carrying the heavy load when he, I have now come into that place of rest. I want to feel like somebody who has come to the place of rest. Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 to 30 says in the good news, come to me all of you who are tired from carrying heavy loads and I will give you rest. So he wants me to rest. Take my yoke and put it on you and learn from me because I am gentle and humble in spirit and you will find rest. For the yoke I will give you is easy and the load I will put on you is light. Did you hear that? So Jesus is inviting us to the place of rest. So don't continue carrying your heavy loads when you come to Christ. He says, come to me, all of you who are tired of carrying heavy loads. Tell your neighbor, if you are tired of carrying your heavy load, roll it over to Christ. Amen. But if you're still enjoying carrying it, unfortunately it will stress you. You will find that you are a Christian and you are stressed and you have depression because you're trying to carry your heavy load. He says, come unto me all you who are tired from carrying heavy loads and I will give you rest. Now, the, today I want to talk you, to you about resting in the Lord. I just want to rest in the Lord. If he says, I come to him, he will give me rest, I want to rest. Amen? 
I'm not going to keep on carrying heavy loads. Amen. So go with me to the book of Luke chapter 5, verse 4 to 6. We'll do it in the New King James Version. But I want to show you something that when we do things on our own, when we struggle on our own, sometimes we struggle unnecessarily instead of just depending on the Lord. So we toil and toil and toil and achieve nothing when we could have depended on the Lord and rested on him. Now, Luke 5, 4 to 6, New King James Version says, when he had stopped speaking, it was Jesus, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. What a discouraging statement. You wasted your energy, isn't it? We've toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. I want you to look at this closely. If you were to ask Peter, why did you toil all the night and caught nothing? What would he have said? Because I was doing it myself without the master. So sometimes you find in our own lives, we are toiling all the days, all the nights and catching nothing because we're doing it on our own. We need to start learning to rely on God. We need to start learning to trust on the, upon the master and say, master, what next? If you say, let down your nets now in that place, that's what I do, and then I'll catch great amount of fish because I'm obeying and walking with the master. I am following the master's plan. But if you do it on your own, you're going to keep on carrying heavy loads. It's unfortunate that you even find some Christians even having stress or even having depression. And you find that you are even admitted to a mental institution. Why? Because you were carrying heavy loads. Jesus does not say there are no heavy loads. He says, come to me, you who are tired of carrying your heavy loads. So you need to say, I'm tired of carrying this. I'm going to the master. And when you have come to the master, like that old lady who has come to the bus, learn to take off your heavy load because you have arrived at the place of rest. So I want to ask you a question as we go to the book of 1 Peter, chapter 5, verse 7, in the Amplified Classic. So Peter toiled all the night and caught nothing. But when he followed the master instruction, he caught great amount of fish within a very short period. Now, if Peter were to go fishing again in future, do you think he would, which one would he prefer, to fish without the master or to fish with the master? He would always want, I don't want to leave the master behind when I go fishing. Because he knows how to give me a breakthrough. I don't want to toil all the night and catch nothing. So it means even in your own lives, if you've been toiling alone and catching nothing, learn to depend on the master. And once you start seeing it's working, then you will be like some of us, you will remain there. 
You say, even next time I will never dare do it alone because I don't want to toil all the night, all the years, all the days and get nothing. Amen. So I think Peter learned from this incident when he wrote First Peter 5.7. By the way, first Peter was written by Peter, the book of Peter. So I think he learned that we mustn't do things ourselves. So he says, 1 Peter 5, 7, AMPC. Casting the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all, on him. For he cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. Did you get that? So Peter says, learn to cast all of your care. It's the same as casting your burdens. Now when you come to Christ, cast all your cares, all your burdens, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns upon him. Because he cares for you. So when he says we should cast all our worries, all our concerns, all our anxiety upon him, it means there are things that would want to worry us. There are things that would want you to stay, to have sleepless nights thinking about them. Now you need to start learning to rest in the Lord, to depend upon the Lord, to say, I'm casting all my cares upon him. I want to rest in him. He said he wants to give me rest. So you don't stress and don't give room for depression. Amen? Because you know worrying, Jesus says, who of you by worrying can change anything? So I'm saying, he says, cast all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns. So it means if you have a worry, if you have a concern, cast it on the Lord and rest in him. By the way, Jesus says, who of you by worrying can change anything? I want to ask you this question. Does worrying change anything? Because you're saying to me, pastor, but you've got to be realistic. I've got a serious problem. So what do you mean? I must, I must just cast it on him and not worry about it. If you worry about, does it change it? It doesn't. So you gain nothing. You are catching nothing by worrying all night long. Okay? So the other time I said, worry is like paying interest on the principal debt. The debt still remains. Let's say you are worried about, hmm, my monies are not balancing well. I think they will repossess my car. If you worry, does it stop them from, from repossessing your car? Mm -mm. You're just suffering twice now. You're suffering by worrying. You will suffer again when they repossess the car. So you could have as well said, I'm not paying interest. I'm not going to be worried about this. I'm laying this over to the Lord and I want to rest on the Lord. I want my Lord to come through for me. Then you are learning to rest on the Lord, to depend on him. Because sometimes when we do things on our own, we end up making more mistakes. Do you know that sometimes when you try to solve things yourself without involving the Lord, you sometimes make more mistakes than you would have even if you just had done nothing. Because when you try to do this, that one breaks and now it's, it's worse than when you started. I want, you to, I want to take you to the book of Galatians. Because I want to show you that when we say rest in the Lord, we are saying depend on God's grace. 
Amen. Depend on him. You don't have to keep on toiling yourself. He says, I've toiled all the night and caught nothing. Now, in the book of Galatians chapter 4, from I'll read verse 22 and 23 in the new NLT. But this is about the two covenants. If you read going down, it will say, this illustration that we are giving you, it's about the two covenants. There was a covenant called the covenant, the covenant that Moses had, which was about law, about getting things because of the law. You do things to get things. But there is another covenant which is called the covenant of grace. Where you get things just because of your relationship with the Lord. It's not about what you've done. Okay? It's God's unmerited favor. Now, if I have a chance of getting it and sometimes not getting it by toiling a lot or always knowing I will get it if I rest on him, then I want to rest and enjoy. The book of Psalms says he gives his beloved in sleep. Now, if you read this, Galatians 4, 23 NLT, New Living Translation. The scriptures say that Abraham had two sons. So, it's going to give us the two covenants. Okay? When you go down, it says these are the two covenants. One from his slave wife and the other one from his freeborn wife. So, one is for slavery, works. The other one is freedom, grace. Verse 23. The son of the slave wife was born in a human attempt to bring about the fulfillment of God's promise. But the son of the freeborn wife was born as God's own fulfillment of his promise. I want you to listen to this closely. You, you'll see how these two sons are compared. The one who is born of a slave wife, it's, it says was born in a human attempt to bring about the fulfillment of God's promises. Do you know that sometimes as human beings we want to help God for, to bring his promises to pass? Hmm? You know God had promised this, now you look at it and think, hmm, I don't think it will happen. Maybe I need to do this to make it happen. As if now you are God. Of course, Abraham and Sarai and Hagar did that same thing. It was after God had promised Abraham that you will have children. And now they said, but we're not having any child. And we think it's because of the barrenness of Sarah. Maybe if you, my husband, can go to Hagar and get a son, then we would have helped God. The promise would come to pass. You remember they did that. But God still brought his promise to pass when Isaac was born. So it means they could have as well waited for God's promise instead of causing the trouble that we have in the Middle East today. Okay? So, because in human attempt trying to help God, you create a lot of issues. While if you wait on the Lord, you get things right. Okay, can I give you an example to you young ladies? Let's say you are trusting God for a godly marriage. If you try human attempt to help God's promise come to pass and you get into the wrong marriage and then you get divorced and things are not working, then you, you could have as well waited patiently for your promise at the right time. 
depending on God. Instead of taking it upon yourself, using human attempt to bring the promise to pass. Because you may create a lot of problems. So it says here, the son of a slave wife was born in human attempt to bring about the fulfillment of God's promises. God doesn't like it when we try to help him as if he's your younger brother. Okay? You know that sometimes we think, mm, maybe I must do this. He once challenged Job for that. You remember he said, when I created the heavens and the earth, where were you? Who advised me to do this and this and this and this? Because now you think you know. God has been God before you were born. He will remain God even after you are gone. So he is the self-existent one. Can you tell your neighbor, God is God. And allow him to be God at his best. Yeah. Without interference. Because he is God. Because imagine, okay, when we are on this point of trying to help God. I think of in the creation, you remember in Genesis when God created the heavens and the earth, he created everything else before creating us as humans on the last day. He created us on day six and rested on day seven. Now, for me, this is not in the Bible, but this is my mind. Okay. For me, I think there are two reasons. It's not scriptural. So when it's not scriptural, I'll tell you. Just I'm thinking. For me, I think there are two reasons. One, I think God was saying, I can do it without you. I don't need your help. So I will create everything before you come into the scene and then I will create you. So that you don't have to keep on advising me and interfering with my plans. Because imagine if we were created on day one or before, before the Lord started creating things. Okay? Now as a human being, you say it says the earth was full of water, you remember? How you would be saying, where do we get the drain? How do we I mean, they're full of water on the whole earth. Lord, how do we do this? And then you think, mm, for the sun, what kind of energy do we need? What voltage? And, and the megawatts, and what, how do we power the sun? As a human being, you were going to be scratching your head about those many things. But you know how God did it. Let there be light. And there was light. Then he said, let the water move to one place. It moved to the sea. Let dry land appear. Dry land appeared. You see how easy God is creating things without you? Mm. He does things well when you are not interfering. Amen. Just rest in him and let him be God. Okay? So it says the son of a slave woman was born as a result of man's attempt to try and help God to fulfill his promise. But the son of a freeborn wife was born as God's own fulfillment of his promises. Now, this thing about, it's about grace and works. I want to give you this other example. Go with me to the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 9, verse 11, in the New Living Translation, NLT. Again, okay, this one, I want to talk to you about grace, how you get things by grace. But I think King Solomon 
You know, King Solomon, if he lived during our time, would have said he was a researcher. You know, he liked researching things. Hmm? Now look at the research he's making here, and you will, you will enjoy it with me. Look. Ecclesiastes 9.11. The only part where I will correct him is on the last part. Okay? But I think his analysis was spot on. It's just that the solution, he thought it was by chance. You know, people would usually say, good luck. People of the world, they say, good luck, isn't it? And if things work well for you, they will say, you were just at the right place at the right time. You were just lucky. That's how people define it in the world. And that's what King Solomon is saying. But I want to tell you, that is what we call grace. <laughs> Look, he says, I have observed something else under the sun. Ecclesiastes 9.11. The fastest runner doesn't always win the race. You agree with him, isn't it? He says, I've observed something under the sun. The fastest runner doesn't always win the race. And you say, correct. The strongest warrior doesn't always win the battle. Is that true? Yes. The wise, the wise sometimes go hungry. Is that true? Yes. And the skillful are not necessarily wealthy. That's also true. And those who are educated don't always lead successful lives. Is that true? Yes. But now here is where I want to correct him. He thinks it's chance. He says, it is all decided by chance. By being at the right place at the right time. He didn't understand grace, but he had spot on analysis of what happens on earth. Okay? So in other words, you don't win because you are the fastest. Okay? He says, and even the educated don't always lead successful lives. Okay? And he says, the skillful are not necessarily wealthy. That's true. He thinks it's because of being at the right place at the right time, it being decided by chance. That's the definition, the world's definition of grace is luck. They call it chance. Okay? We call it grace. God's unmerited favor. In other words, I get it even if I don't deserve it. So it means when I wake up every day, I'm expecting his grace. I'm expecting favor. You will hear people saying, you never know. Maybe I go out here and I get knocked over by the car. I get out here and I get shot. So it means you are always expecting Calamities and disasters. So why can't I go out here expecting, you never know, maybe I go out here and somebody blesses me. Amen. I'm, because I'm expecting favor. I'm expecting grace. So I'm resting in the Lord knowing that if I depend on his grace, it will work out. I don't have to depend on my strength. You remember the scripture that says not by power nor by might? but by my spirit, says the Lord. I want us to read it in context today. Go with me to the book of Zechariah, chapter 4, verse 1 to 7, AMPC. Because I want to show you that if you depend on the Lord, it's not about your effort to be successful. 
You just have to remain connected to the Lord and let the master make you succeed. Then you can testify and say, it is by grace. I just believed God and stayed in him and you see me where I am today by his grace. Because sometimes if you do it and you think you've done it yourself, in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 8 it says, beware that when things are working well for you and your flocks are multiplying and you're getting silver and gold multiply, all things go well with you, you start thinking, I'm making this on my own. He said, my hands have made me got this wealth. He said, no, you must remember that it is the Lord who gives you power to get wealth. Now, Zechariah 4, 1 to 7 AMPC says, and the angel who talked with me came again and awakened me like a man who is awakened out of his sleep and said to me, what do you see? I said, I see and behold a lampstand all of gold with its bowl of oil on top of it and its seven lamps on it, and there are seven pipes to each of the seven lamps which are upon the top of it. And there are two olive trees by it, one upon the right and one upon of the bowl and the other upon the left side of it, feeding it continuously with oil. So I asked the angel who talked with me, what are these, my Lord? Then the angel talked with me, answered me, do you not know what these are? And I said, no, my Lord. He said to me, this addition of bowl to the candlesticks, causing it to yield a ceaseless supply of oil from the olive trees, is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel saying, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, of whom oil is a symbol, says the Lord of hosts. For who are you, O great mountain of human obstacles? Before Zerubbabel, who with Joshua had led the return of exiles from Babylon and was undertaking the rebuilding of the temple before him, you shall become a plain, a mere molehill, and it shall bring forth the finishing gable stone of the new temple with loud shoutings of the people, crying, grace, grace to it. Okay. Maybe let's read it with Zechariah 4, 7 on TLB. Let me read it in TLB and then I'll explain the story. Therefore, no mountain, however high, can stand before Zerubbabel. For it will flatten out before him, and Zerubbabel will finish building this temple with mighty shouts of thanksgiving for God's mercy, declaring that all was done by... Do you have it? You don't have it, TLB. Okay. Declaring that all was done by grace alone. It says you will declare that it was all done by... Grace alone. Grace, grace, grace. Okay. Now, let me explain to you that story, that context in, 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 in Zechariah 4, 1 to 7. These days, people use lampstands as decoration. You know those things where it's like, it's like this, like a lamp, but then it's got the things that hold the lamps. You can find it's one here, but when it goes out, then maybe there are seven or whatever number. He says, I saw the golden lampstand with seven lamps like that and each of the lamps had a pipe that was feeding to it and then there, were, there was a bowl where these two olive trees were putting in oil into the bowl and from the bowl the, the tubes were taking oil to the lamps and the lamps were brightening. You get that? Now I want to ask you a question because you understand that analogy. So if you start seeing the lamp going dim what do you think is the problem? 
oil. He's running short of oil. So, do you think that lamp is lighting because of its own ability to light? Or is it because of the oil that's supplying it? It's because of the oil. So then he says, not by power, nor by might, but by my spirit. It says, of which the oil is a symbol, says the Lord. Now, it means, if I have to keep on being fruitful and successful in life, I've got to be connected to the oil. I've got to be connected to the Holy Spirit. Then you can say, brighten the corner where you are. Because if you want to brighten the corner where you are, but you are not connected to the oil, you will not be able to brighten, no matter how hard you want to work. And if that light now is giving light because of connection to the oil, does it have to work any hard to give light? Does the light have to work hard to give light if it's connected to the oil? No, it just remains connected. The light will keep on going. Amen? That's the work of grace. When you now depend on the Lord and you know that I don't have to make things work on my own. I've got to depend on the Lord who is the self-existent one. By the way, when we say he's God, we are saying He is the self-existent one. He does not need the help to be God. He was God before you were born. He will remain God even after you are gone. It means he can do it without your advice. Okay? He can do it without your help. Because as human beings, sometimes we depend a lot on our own strength. And we struggle unnecessarily instead of just depending on him. Now, if you learn, if you see this thing of the oil supplying and then giving the, the light, Jesus now puts it well in John 15, because this is simple now and getting closer to you. John 15, 4 and 5. I will do it in the Good News translation. He says, Remain united to me, and I will remain united to you. A branch cannot bear fruit by itself. It can do so only if it remains in the vine. You see that connection to the oil? Yeah. You can only be successful if you keep, you remain connected. I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will bear much fruit. For you can do nothing without me. Did you get that? So in other words, for me to keep on bearing fruit, to keep on living a successful Christian life, I just need to keep connected to the source. I need to be connected to the oil. I need to learn to rest in the Lord and depend on him. And say, you are God. Amen? I need to learn to cast all my cares and my anxieties upon him. Because that's a sign of trust. Because when you care, you cast your cares upon him, you are saying, on my own, I can't manage this. But when you don't give it over on him, you are trying to manage it yourself. You think you can do it better than him. So you're supposed to say, I'm depending on the Lord. And they say, but sister, you've got to be realistic. You've got to be practical. You can't just say you're depending on the Lord and do nothing. And then you say to them, Okay, by the way, in Ven <laughs> I don't know if there is an English saying. In Venda, there is a saying, Koromo Vusai Bivusao. But that's not a scripture. 
They say an ox, you can only lift it up if it's lifting itself up. Have you seen that if you're trying to lift up an ox and it's lifting itself up also, then it interferes with your plan, you interfere with its plan. Have you noticed that? Yeah. It's trying to, you, you're trying to, and then let it stand up if it's able to stand on its own, or it must allow me to help it stand. Amen. That's the problem with some of the people. You see, sometimes you guys even do this to pastors. You come to the pastor, you've got a problem, but you tell me how to solve the problem for you. So if you were able to solve it, you were supposed to solve it yourself. Okay? But when you come to me, allow me to help you the way that I believe the Lord wants me to help you. Just like when you go to God, go to him, being open to him to help you whichever way he wants to help you. That's what we call depending on the Lord. Now, I want to, let's begin our descent now. Okay? We're just begin, beginning the descent. We are not landing yet. I want to take you to the book of Hebrews because I want you to start understand this thing of resting in the Lord. So the life of a Christian was supposed to be a place of rest. Okay? But because sometimes of not believing, we end up struggling unnecessarily. And we are always in crisis unnecessarily instead of saying, even if the storms are raging. You remember Jesus was sleeping when there were storms raging? Hmm. You start sleeping even when the storms are raging. You start having God's peace like Peter who after James was killed and then he was in prison, he probably could have been killed the next day. The Bible says he was sleeping. So much asleep that when the angel had to come and deliver him, he had to smite him on the side to wake him up. If it were some of you, you would not sleep that night. Eh? You would be thinking, whether will they just hang me or will they just use a will they uh, what and that and that but that doesn't help you can be up all night they will still hang you so you can as well relax in the Lord and wait upon the Lord to deliver you and then you see what God does at his best he is God now look at this in Hebrews chapter 3 so I will show you I want to show you that God doesn't like it when we try when we depend on ourselves or we depend on other things to help us and not him. Okay? He wants us to look up to him and rely on him as God. Hebrews 3, 10 to 15 in the TLB, the Living Bible, it says, But God says, I was very angry with them, for their hearts were always looking somewhere else instead of up to me. Did you see why God was angry with them? He said those Israelites, they were always looking somewhere else instead of looking to me. Imagine you are a parent. You've got a child and you've got everything ready for your child. Now you find the child doesn't come and ask you. The child keeps on going to neighbors and asking. Or your child stands in the street. You know you are working. You are well to do. And now your child doesn't ask you, come and stand in the street with a teen. How will you feel? You will be angry. So he says, I was angry with them. Because they were looking up for help somewhere else instead of looking up to me. And they never found the path I wanted them to follow. Then God, full of 
this anger against them, bound himself with an oath that he would never let them come to his place of rest. You see that place of rest? Beware then of your own hearts, dear brothers. So I'm tell telling you, dear brothers and sisters, lest you find that they too are evil and unbelieving and are leading you away from the living God. Speak to each other about these things every day while there is still time so that none of you will become hardened against God, being blinded by the glamour of sin. For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as we did <coughs> when we first became Christians, we shall share in all that belongs to Christ. But now is the time, not for election. It says, but now is the time. Time for what? To get into his rest. It says, now is the time. Never forget the warning. Today, if you hear God's voice speaking to you, don't harden your hearts against him. As the people of Israel did when they rebelled against him in the desert. So we're telling you these things. It says, don't harden your hearts. Now is the time to enter this place of rest. And the way to do it is to believe and depend on God. Because sometimes people will tell you, Pastor, you've got to be realistic. We're talking about real problem here. What do you mean we must just lay it on the Lord and all that? You've got to be realistic. Are you trying to teach us positive thinking? That's what people say, isn't it? Is it psychology? No. It's depending on God. And God says, I was angry with them when they didn't depend on me. Now look at this in chapter 4. Verse 1 to 3 and then 7 to 11. The same TLB, Hebrews 4. Although God's promise still stands. What is the promise? His promise that all may enter his place of rest. That promise still stands. Okay? That we can all enter his place of rest. So we are in uh, Hebrews 4 now. 1 to 3. But I'm doing it in TLB. His promise that all may enter his rest. We ought to tremble with fear because some of you may be on the verge of failing to get there after all. So he says some of you might be about to lose getting into this rest place. So we want to encourage you. Okay? For this wonderful news, the message that God wants to save us, have been given to us just as it was to those who lived in the time of Moses. But it didn't do them any good because they didn't believe it. So even when I'm saying here, some of you, if you don't believe it, it will do you no good. It says it didn't do them any good because they didn't believe it. They didn't mix it with faith. For only we who believe God can enter into his place of rest. Tell your neighbor, you can only enter God's place of rest if you believe God. And here I'm not only talking about the first believing of accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That's like getting into the bus. Okay? I'm talking when now you are in the bus. You still need to keep on believing God. And lay down your load before him. So it says you can only enter this rest if you believe God. He said I have sworn in my anger that those who don't believe me will never get in. Even though he has been ready and waiting for them since the world began. So he's waiting for us to enter his place of rest. 
But if we don't believe it, we can't get in. We can't enjoy his place of rest. Then verse 7. But he has set another time for coming in. And that time is? That time is now. That time is today. Now. Today. That's the time of coming in. He announced this through David the king long years ago after the man's first failure to enter, saying in the words already quoted, Today when you hear him calling, don't harden your hearts against him. This new place of rest he's talking about does not mean the land of Israel that Joshua led them into. If that were what God meant, he would not have spoken long afterward about today being the time to get in. So when he says today, he means today. And how many of you know that today remains today? Tomorrow you will still say today. Day after tomorrow you will say today. So whenever, at that time, whatever the now time for you is, take advantage of it. Okay? So he says today being the time to get in. So there is a full complete rest still waiting for the people of God. Christ has already entered there. He is resting from his work. Just as God did after the creation. Let us do our best to go into that place of rest too. Being careful not to disobey God. As the children of Israel did. Thus failing to get in. Did you get that? So he says he's calling us into this place of rest. But we can only enter the place of rest when we believe him. So if I'm in the Lord and I say I'm a Christian, I've accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, I used faith to come to the Lord. But then I need to continue living by faith. That's why the Bible talks about from faith to faith. The just shall live by faith. So you were saved by grace through faith. But you must continue to live by grace through faith. You accepted Jesus by grace through faith. You must continue to live victoriously on the earth by grace through faith. That's what we call resting in the Lord. You are depending on him. I've actually also reflected on my own life. Besides the fact that now after this message, when the Lord was dealing me with this message, I realized I'm going to rest even more. Days of toiling and working and trying to do this and that and putting this to that and all that as if I don't have a father. How many of you know that okay this again the difference between grace and law. How many of you know that when a child is working at his or her home he's not working to get paid. The child is just working to please the parents. Okay? So that's not work. Okay that's resting. While a slave or a worker has to work to get paid. That's law. You see the two covenants. So you've had the clause, no work, no pay. Isn't it? Yeah. So in other words, you have to work to get paid. That's law. You have to deserve it. While in grace, I just live pleasing God. If I have to do some work, I'm doing the work not to get paid. I'm doing the work to please my father. Okay? And how many of you know that when a child comes asking you, let's say the child is asking you for school fees, 
If you are not a bad parent, you mustn't start by saying, you must start working first. Only laborers are expected to work to get paid. Children can be given things without having to work for them. But are we saying children mustn't work at home? No. But when they are working, they are not working to get paid. So it means also for me, when I'm serving God, I'm not serving God to get paid. I'm pleasing my father. And when I have to get something from him, I don't say I'm getting something because I worked. Are you getting me? I'm getting something because he loves me. I'm getting something because I'm depending on him. I'm relying on him. So I was making some reflections also about this thing about sometimes we quickly react or do things because we want to use common sense. Sometimes you find something comes and you quickly want to do it this way. I remember there was one time in the Old Testament, David was very good at inquiring from the Lord all the time. So the one time the enemies came and he said, Lord, must I go and fight with them? And then the Lord guided him. So the other time, the, 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 the strategy was go to them and then you will defeat them. So they went out, they defeated them. Then the enemies came again after some time. David again went back. Lord, must I go? Will you give them into my hands? Then the Lord, you see the thing of depending on the Lord works. This time the strategy had changed. The Lord said, okay, divide your army into two. Let others seem to be running away from the enemy. So the enemy would now be attracted to chase you. And as the enemy leave their place and they are chasing you, your other army must go and start burning their place and then you now attack them from the back and from the front and you will defeat them. You remember that story? So now, if you memorize how God works and because the previous time he said I must go, now you're just going to go and you will miss the mark. So the thing of depending on the Lord is saying, we are saying, almost like Christ when he was on the earth, he said, I don't do anything without hearing my father directing me. That makes the context of the scripture that says, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Lord, order my steps. Guide me. What do I need to do? Now, I want us to learn with Psalms 37, verse 7. We'll pick it up next time. This thing of resting in the Lord. Psalms 37, 7. In the TLB again, the Living Bible. Okay, by the way, I see sometimes you don't all have all these translations. So, there is a free app, Bible app called Bible Gateway. Whether you use Android or iPhones and that, you just say Bible Gateway, and then you will see that the picture of that Bible, then you click that, you upload it. It's got so many translations and it's free. So you can then help yourself when you study the Bible if we put it in another translation. Because some translations, sometimes they just bring a certain thought better than others in other verses. Okay? So that's what I do. So what I do when I do my own study of the word and when the Lord is ministering the word to me, it's like there is this word that is in my heart that the Lord wants me to share with you. Now you go and you look at this verse in this translation. It doesn't say exactly how it's put in your heart. When you go to this one, okay, this translation puts it exactly as it's revealed in my spirit. Then it's more easy to connect with it. Okay, now look at this one. Psalms 37.7 in the living TLB. It says, 
Rest in the Lord. Today we are talking about resting in the Lord. Rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for him to act. Don't be envious of evil men who prosper. So when he says rest in the Lord, so resting doesn't mean being lazy. Even God rested and he's not lazy. You know God rested on the seventh day. Yeah. So resting means I'm depending on the Lord. I don't want to move unless he tells me to move. You almost like Moses who says, if your presence does not go with us, don't take us away from this place. I only want to move when you say it's time to move. So he says, rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for him to act before you act. So I realized that sometimes the thing of using common sense, I, was, I had to repent about this myself. Okay? Also growing in the Lord. So that's what you need to do. When the word of God comes and it ministers to you, repent and grow. Okay? So now, there were some things sometimes where I would just use common sense and take a decision and do something quickly. Sometimes it works. Okay? But there were times, sometimes in hindsight, I would look back and say, but I could have inquired of the Lord. Because this is not where I want this thing to be. And I can't say it's God who said I must do it this way. I've done it myself. So this one here says rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for him to act. So in other words you say Lord I don't want to lead you. Where you lead me I will follow. Where he leads me I will follow. Where where he leads me, I will follow. I want my steps to be ordered by him. I want to rest in him. I want to wait upon the Lord. Amen. So we're going to pick this up next time. But I just want to make this call and I want to pray with you. Going back to that Matthew 11, 28 to 30, it says, come to me all of you who are tired from carrying heavy loads and I will give you rest. I want to pray for you. So, the first step of coming to him is to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It's like getting into that bus. Okay? So, if you say, I want to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior, after church, I'll have a few minutes in the office there. You can come and I'll pray with you and help you to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That is the first step into getting the rest. Okay? Because you cannot get the rest. He says, come to me, all you who are tired of carrying heavy loads, and I will give you rest. But now, my second call, which is now to all of you, I want to pray with you. It's about, you are now in Christ. You are now in the bus, but you are carrying the heavy load. 
and you feel this is heavy for me. I don't know what to do. This is heavy for me. Cast your burdens on me. He cares for you. So I'm going to give you about two minutes where you pray to the Lord and, and just cast your, your burdens on him. Cast your cares on him. And believe him to do it for you as you rest in him, as you relax in him. And you say, if I cast my burdens on him, I don't want to take them back. I want him to take care and I want to relax in him and rest in him. So when we finish in two minutes time, then I will then pray and stand with you and declare as the servant of the Lord that that load that has been bothering you it should dissolve and disappear in grace. As you rest upon the Lord, may you see the Lord bringing unexpected things in your life, unmerited favor, that as you move around, you start seeing, oh, this has changed, that is changing, that is changing. That's the, 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 the greatness of depending on God. Then you just relax on him and relax in his grace and see him being gracious to you. So let's stand up. Thank God for the word that we've heard, but I want you to, anything that you want to lay your burden, anything that you want to say, Lord, this has been starting to trouble me. Or, I've been laboring about this. I want to enter into your rest fully. I want to relax on you. I want to depend on you. I want to trust you as my God. And then you tell him whatever you tell him. At the end, I'm going to make a declaration as the servant of the Lord, standing with you in faith, and let's see God being God at his best. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord. We give you praise. We give you glory, mighty Father, for your word. As you teach us, Lord, to rest in you, to depend upon you, to rely upon you, never to lean on our own understanding, oh God. Show us your glory. Mighty Father, continue to reveal yourself. Yandi ambrese tele mosianda ramari boya ndarabasheteria brokolo bosta yabrinderesta ramai kisa na maisende morikanda mashtere mosianda ramasi rabo yete melikata si namaya kante prostekre mondi asene mosi Father we thank you Father we bless you and indeed Lord we want to walk in your grace completeness of your grace Lord in our lives. That, Father, we can declare that it's not by power nor by might, but by your spirit, O oh God. In the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you. Father, we love you. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I come before your grace, your throne of grace with boldness, lifting this, your children, Lord, before thee, 
Mighty Father, I say those who have been carrying heavy loads, they are saying we are laying down our loads unto thee. Mighty Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for them. I say may all the loads and all the burdens that were upon their shoulders dissolve in the presence of the Lord. In the name of Jesus, I come against every burden, every yoke, every bondage of the enemy upon their lives. I say you've got no hold over these people of God. You let the people of God go in Jesus' name. And I declare freedom and the peace of God that surpasses all human understanding to keep their hearts and their minds in Christ Jesus. And their hearts will not be troubled. In the name of Jesus, you've got no hold over them. And they cannot be kept in bondage. God's people are free. God's people are free. Free. Free indeed because the Son has set them free. In the name of Jesus. And there is no care of the enemy and the worry that the enemy bring upon them. That will burden them down. In the name of Jesus. I declare this to be a turning point. I say it is today. It is now. Time to enter your rest. And may we all enter into your rest. As we believe and trust in you. And depending on you as our God. We depend upon you. We rely upon you. We trust in you. In Jesus name we give you praise. Amen. 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 Amen.